there, survivors. It's Rosanna Novice again with MindShift Thrive Global Ministries podcast. Welcome to another wonderful episode. So this one is a little different. I don't have any guests on today. It's just myself. However, it's going to be pretty interesting because my board of directors, wonderful group of ladies that I've known for a very long time, I asked them, could you give me a couple of questions that you were wondering why us as survivors, why it took us so long or things that have been pondering in your mind that you've always wanted to ask a survivor of domestic violence. As a matter of fact, I do have some of my women from the board of directors team that have been through physical and emotional abuse. So it was pretty, pretty interesting to glean from their perspective. And I've also been talking to other survivors as well. I like the fact that they've been open and honest with me, and I've been jotting down some questions. So we have about seven questions. I will talk about their responses, my board of directors' responses, and other survivors that I've been speaking to, and I will also give you a short answer about myself. I'm not going to go too deep into my story because we will be releasing a documentary based on my testimony and my healing journey with the Lord. So here we go. Question number one. What made you stay? That is a very common standard question that a lot of people ask. As a matter of fact, many people really wrestle with that question. And the reason why is because, like, obvious, no-brainer. If the person's hitting you, if they're manipulating, if they're aggressive, they're violent, why would you even think to, to entertain that, right? Well, what happens when you fall in love or you fall in lust, you have false hope. And unfortunately, with false hope, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's false. That's why I sp speak about the power of the Lord. And the hope that I have in Jesus is something that will never be taken away from me. He always finds a way to comfort me, and He gives me validation that I am loved and that I am forgiven, and I have been redeemed by all the wonderful things that He provides. So before I get into any of that and my life transformation with the Lord, I will say that most survivors have told me that the reason why they stay is because either financial situations where they're at a place in their life where they maybe they have not gone back to school or they have kids— and it's very difficult for them, especially if the man is the breadwinner. That's number one. Number two, low self-esteem. They didn't know any better or they've seen it as a child. They thought that that's the way it was. It was very normal for them. And I will tell you that for me, the same thing. I did have low self-esteem. I didn't value myself. And I thought that's the way it was. However... I would also mention that there are the majority of people have had childhood trauma, so they've seen it in their family. It wasn't in my case. When I did meet my first abuser, he was very seductive and the sex was very intense. That's what drew me into our first encounter. And unfortunately, I jumped in too soon. So that would be my answer for the first question. And also survivors have told me what I just mentioned previously. So question number two, can you pinpoint a couple of instances that made it easier to take the abuse? So when I've asked survivors and I ask my board of directors, the ones that have been in abusive relationships, 
is one of the things that they pinpointed that make made it easier was the honeymoon stage. So there's something called the cycle of violence. And Lenore Walker, she's a researcher. She's been working with domestic violence victims and at the university level for over four decades now. And the cycle of violence that she talks to is there's tension building where you feel like something is coming. Then the abuse happens. And then the last phase is the honeymoon, the honeymoon stage where for some reason they find a way to lure you back in. They're never going to do it again or they'll give you gifts. And it's it can be very powerfully convincing because you love the person. You want to make it work. And for some strange reason in your limited mindset, you think it'll never happen again in that moment. But it will, ladies. It, it's real. And for many of you that are already out, you already know how many times it's happened until you finally said that was enough. So that was a response that I got from other survivors. For me, pinpointing a couple of instances that made it easier to take the abuse was also the false hope that I mentioned in the first question. And... Providing an example that if I were to show more love and more attention to my partner, then maybe he'd come around and he'd have a consciousness <laughs> about him. It'll it'll get to his heart, but yeah, it never worked. So now we've got question number three. Any hopes that things would get better? Yes, survivors have told me that they've always held on to the hope that they'll come around, they'll see things differently the more they pour as much love and devotion to their spouse or their partner, for some reason, something will snap or something will switch in them. And they'll be like, wow, yeah, you know what? I do have a really good person in my life or things aren't that bad. Let me see how I can make it better. And I don't want to do this to this person anymore. No, they can be very manipulative and very conniving, unfortunately, extremely selfish so there's three different types of abusers. I'm not going to get into that right now. However, that's basically the answer that I've been giving from other survivors for myself. Also, the same thing. Of course, I had hopes that things would get, get better. And just remember, that's why we, we've lasted so long. In these type of relationships, many of us, sometimes it takes five to, I've heard up to 10 times. At women's shelters, the, the program directors that I've spoken to at women's shelters, they have mentioned that it takes up to seven, eight times until the victim or the survivor finally says, I'm done and leaves for good. So you could just imagine how toxic and how pretty it's pretty sad how that false hope can get you wrapped in again into that that cycle so don't be too hard on those victims that are still in it. They're still trying to figure it out. They're dealing with so much. It's extremely stressful and frightening. And it could be petrifying because you fear for your life, but at the same time, you have a very distorted sense of wanting things to get better and, and that false sense of hope that I mentioned. Now we go into number four. Did you ever search for help or talk to anyone about any of it? For myself, no. I'm a very private person. Obviously, not anymore. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> and I am free in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm an open book now. I can pretty much tell you everything and anything that you want to ask. I, I'm here for it. However, I was embarrassed. And when I asked the survivors, same thing. 
they felt a lot of shame. They felt like they were going to be judged. A lot of people were like, get it together. Why are you still in it? So people that aren't in it, they don't understand. Remember, there's a story behind everybody's pain. And instead of asking why, ask what happened to you. So you can draw closer to the person and create more compassion for them, more empathy. Because honestly, everybody's always going through something, but most of us won't say it. But you also have to be careful with who you share things with, right? You guard your heart, and that's what Jesus always reminds us of. <sighs> the fact that you can be so intimate and personal with your creator, God, is a beautiful thing because he starts relieve, releasing the affirmations of your worth and your value. And that's what I appreciate so much that I've come to a point where I can be so honest about it, but there's no condemnation, right? those of us that are in Christ Jesus. So I really would like for you to own that. It does take some time. It takes discipline. It takes prayer. It takes fellowship. So many things. But I will tell you that there is definitely hope. So don't lose that. Then we've got another one. Number five, why was it hard? Again, it was hard because when you are not sure if it's normal or if it's not, and you're just, you're wrapped up in a state of confusion and fear, but you feel like you really need to be in this relationship because there's other things that you feel that you can't do on your own, then you give that partner way too much power. So that's why you're like sucked into that cycle. That's why it's hard. The needs that the survivors have. For me, it was really hard because I always felt as an optimistic person that I am, that the more I showered this person with love and understanding and forgiveness, that at some point he had to come around. But yeah, it just got worse. And number six, what made you tolerate his behavior? So when I asked uh, some of the members from the board of directors, they said because of the kids, because of their, their needs that they had in their personal life. They figured, let me just swallow it. I can go on one more day. I'm pretty resilient. I may not feel good about it, but I think I can get through it, right? It's that, again, false sense of hope. For myself, what made, why did I tolerate it? Because <laughs> it's twisted. I tolerated it because I, I genuinely felt that there was going to be a sliver of light at the end of the, of the tunnel, and there wasn't. And last question, when did the light switch go off? So for some of them was when, like the cycle that I hadn't mentioned before, the tension was building so much more so that it created triggers, like a lot more triggers for them. It created a sense of stress and fear, and they were jittery. Some of them couldn't sleep. Some of them slept too much. They would fall into depression, anxiety. They start taking it out on their kids. I started taking it out on my kids. And as much as we wanted to hide it like a facade, it would even spew out into the workplace. For me, I would get stressed out or I didn't speak to somebody the way I knew I should have spoken to them. They didn't understand why I was making these changes. And it was really funny because I was speaking to one survivor and she admitted to me that while she was at work, she'd always be picking up the phone. Her partner was constantly stalking her. And she'd get in trouble a couple of times. 
she would minimize it. She'd slip it under the rug and she'd be like, no, it's because he really likes me. It's in a relationship, yada, yada. But in reality, the guy was extremely needed, needy and he wanted to control her. So she found a way to see it in a positive light. But the, that's the distortion, right? We always feel like, nah, I can't be that bad, especially at the beginning. But when it's over and over and over again, and you're like, I'm not your mother. <laughs> Do you even have a job? Where? What are you doing? I need to get back to work. So when it interferes with your work life, when it interferes in other relationships with your friends, all those sort of things, those are the red flags you really need to pay attention to. So there you have it. We have seven questions. I hope this provided some insight into like the lives of when we were victims and now coming out of it into our healing journey. But just remember that when Christ is working in you, there's nothing that you can't do. He's amazing. He wants to be a part of your life, every single part of it, including your work, your workspace, you as a mother, as a single mom, or even someone who doesn't have kids. Where do you go from here? So I just, again, I want to encourage you that God is real, he's alive, he's full of love, and he wants to heal you. With all of that being said, I wanted to share a special verse with you from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8. And this is the RSV version. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Ladies, that's a lot of substance. So who are we grounded in? In Christ. He is our foundation. So our every thought, our every behavior, every word that comes out of our mouth is Christ-centered. Like I said, be patient with yourself. It does take time, but never give up. Those are, that, that's the discipline that we have in following Christ, right? Those practices of prayer, meditation, journaling, all these little things, being in the Word, being with other fellow believers. So I'm going to share with you my favorite fruit, <laughs> And the reason why I mentioned all those practices is because it has to do with my favorite fruit. Are you ready? This grapefruit, at the beginning of my life, I hated it because it's very sour. But there's a splash of sweetness to it. The funny thing about grapefruit is that it has so many health benefits, it's crazy. Believe it or not, it's got your daily intake of vitamin C. So one grapefruit every single day will give you plenty of vitamin C that you need. And it's got lots of vitamin A. The reason why I'm putting this up here so all of you can see my favorite fruit is because at the beginning I hated it. <laughs> and people till this day, my friends and family think I'm crazy. But there are some people that I know that truly love it and understand where I'm coming from. <sighs> fruit, when God mentions fruit, it's sweet. However, sometimes when you're walking with the Lord, it's not so sweet, especially when people come at you, right? And I think we understand where that's, where we're going with this. Sometimes people will say something to you that's discouraging. And as a survivor, we're really trying to get back up on our feet. So again, my favorite fruit may not be the sweetest, 
and life is sometimes sour, but in Christ, remember vitamin C, vitamin Christ, I thought that was kind of cute. I don't know if you think it's corny, but it's okay. It's fine. I love my grapefruit. I challenge you today to when you go to a supermarket or when you go shopping, find at least one fruit that you've never tried and try to get used to it. Because when you're walking with the Lord, it's not going to be easy, but there's so many benefits. And that's what I wanted to tell you. Just a really quick tidbit about my favorite fruit, what it has to do with the Lord, and all the good things that follow when you're walking with Him. Again, my name is Rosanna Novice from Mind Shift Thrive Global Ministries. I love you, ladies. Take care and be safe.